Parenting is hard. Few of us feel up to the task. The world is shifting, quickly and dramatically. All of us feel the changes affecting our families. The stress and pressure can be intense. We are here to help sort the good and the bad, provide insight and bring hope. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. We're so glad you stopped by. Hi, and welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting. I am Pastor Brad Mathias, and this is season eight, and we have a new co-host. Say hi, Melanie. Hi, Melanie. Melanie Medina is in the studio. She is our new and improved co-host from uh, season seven. For those who pay attention to our podcast, uh, we're on episode 102, and episode 101 has a full introduction of Melanie and her background, her history, and all the really cool stuff she's about. But the bottom line is she's a mom expert, and Robert was not. So it was time. It was time for some new, fresh insights. Well, thank you so much, Brad, for that sweet, sweet introduction. Well, I got to say, Robert never brought the bling that you do into the studio. It's a little, it's bright. It's good. It's bright. It's happy. Yeah. And the cowboy boots? are under the table. They're not up here. Yeah. Well, they're special. I mean, you're definitely from the Red River Valley. I can sort of see the Texas roots there. It's true. I am. Okay. I I just bring it with me. So we have a Texas bling attitude now on the other side of the mic. And uh, for season eight, we're going to be talking uh, with Melanie and breaking down these interviews and our guests and the topics that come up uh, with a little bit more of a mom's perspective. So I'm excited about that. I'm really looking forward to this, too. I'm especially excited about our guests today. Tell us about our guests. Well, we have in the studio Stephanie and Chris Teague. And um, they have an incredible story. Um, in fact, their duo, their musical duo, is named from what, what their story is about, Out of the Dust. Welcome to Brilliantly Brave Parenting, Chris and Stephanie. Thanks for having us. So uh, we were talking just briefly before we started this interview. You guys are local. Like, this is your home area. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah we're, we're like a unicorn Big musicians in the Nashville area from the Nashville area. <laughs> Which yeah, we had called so. ourselves that for a long time, but then we found out that's actually what like people in Nashville call people from Nashville. Like musicians, yeah. Musicians from Nashville are like unicorns. So I, I don't know. So you guys are experts at Nashvilleian things, right? The funny enough, no, very much not. We had kids right when Nashville kind of kind of became the it city. So we don't I mean, we, we still are out and about, like we still get to have fun, but we, we, it surprises us, I think more than anyone that Nashville is cool now. Cause growing up, it felt very, uh, growing up, it felt <laughs> very like country music city, not mm-hmm. just, not just music city. Right. So, uh, it's, it's neat to see the, the city come, come to life and, and become cool. <laughs> so you guys are. Uh, a husband and wife duo, correct? Mm-hmm. You've got your second release that came out in September mm-hmm. of 2019. Tell us a little bit. What, tell us about that. Ooh, where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, our, our duo really, it, it came out of a season of our lives that was uh, life-changing, explosive, um, <laughs> a lot of words. So um, you want to share a little bit about and where we came from. I mean, the the, the most recent project that we, we, we've released is called Now More Than Ever um, because we've traveled the country and shared our story um, 
and we're always praying and asking questions like, well, you know, we know that we'll share this story forever, but what's next? And God just kind of keeps giving us the next steps. Um, you know, and when we trust God with, with our, with our steps and with, with faith, we don't always get to see what's in front of us. Sometimes the, the ground isn't even there yet when you take a step of faith. But as we've gotten to see, it's always, there's always ground beneath the steps when you take steps of faith towards God that he calls you to our uh, you guys stop me and interrupt me at any point because I could just right. <laughs> I could just start going and not stop for thirty minutes. Um, I just find that so encouraging. What and I mean an encouraging word to tell people to step out in faith because you did that. How did you do that? Oh man, well we so we met very young. We were we met on a mission trip to Philadelphia of all places, um, and the Lord really knit our hearts together quickly. I was. 17 stephanie was 16 and uh we man what what a weird time to meet and to live this much life i mean we're both 33 now so to live that much life with somebody is crazy but we god planted seeds even even then when we when we first met um we got married when we were in college and then um i started having some questions about my faith and and not even though I was on stage, like we, we did music together for corporate worship a lot, but never this, never songwriting, never performing. It was all worship. Um, and I, I didn't, even though I was on stage, even though I was plugged into so many places, I just felt shame about the doubt. Wow. You know? So time out. So you, you guys fell in love young. Yeah. You did the whole like grew up together, got married, and then you grew up some more together yep. uh, process, which I'm familiar with. I got married at 1920. So, yeah, mm. yeah I was like a kid, as my grandfather would say, wet behind the ears. <laughs> um, but you guys went through a process where, you know, I'm going to speed ahead a little because mm -hmm. I've read your bio for our audience. And you guys had some real rocky moments in your marriage that showed up around 2010. Yep. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Stephanie, tell us, how, how did things start to unravel for you as a couple, for you as a husband and wife? What happened? Sure. We, I mean, we were so busy. You know, we were both, I was doing my graduate degree. We were working full time. And so we, we felt the disconnection between us. Um, but again, I think I just thought, oh, it's okay. We'll get past the season. We'll be fine. I just default to assuming everything's fine. And uh, one night in 2010 was January 21st. We were about to go to dinner with my parents and Chris sat me down and said, hey, can I talk to you for a second? And the words that came out of his mouth were, I don't believe in God anymore and I don't want to be married anymore. Wow. Wow. Now, how long had you been married when you had that sort of moment? It was close to three years. Okay. So that that's like stomach spasm, nausea. Everything. Migraine headache in a moment. Couldn't process. So you had no clue this was coming. No, no. I never, never would have imagined that divorce would be a part of my story. At that point in time, did you guys have mentors in your life? We were surrounded by a lot of really great people. We were in a small group at church, a great church, but we, it was very surfacey. You know, I don't think there was nobody really really getting deep, you know, finding out how we were. We were, you know, in the South, we're really good at putting on the, hey, how you doing? You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> you're doing just fine. Uh, and part of that, I think it was definitely on us as well. We weren't seeking that out. 
a lot of that. Yeah, I would say a lot of that's on us too, because we had a lot of opportunities to share with people. But I mentioned those doubts and that I that I had early on, and, and all of that just me not sharing those doubts and feeling that shame. It it led to this pattern of secrecy and and isolation, and that that re, that was reflected in our marriage, but it was also reflected in the relationships that we had with other believers too. So I don't, we weren't being asked, but we also weren't like offering up or seeking it out. I mean, that's such a danger for a Christian culture. You know, when you're raised in Christian culture, like in the South, Mm -hmm. uh, the Bible belt, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely that pressure to sort of be two people. Like there's definitely that public persona and then there's the private. And if you're raised in that, especially for youth, you learn how to put it on and take it off pretty easy. Mm-hmm. You're sort of one person in, at school with your your peers and then you're another person at youth group. You know, you know the right answers. You know how to get by. You know how to make everybody happy. But that's sort of the wheels come off as you get older because you start going, why am I pretending? You know, who who am I really? And so if I'm reading you right, there was a moment around 2010 where you said, I'm not wearing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Tell us sort of the catalyst, what, what got you to the point where you're like, you know, I'm not sure I believe all this. So there's, there's a lot of, I had a lot of good questions. Um, a lot of doubts and, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this. Doubt is healthy in a life of faith. Um, I, I might even go so far as to say, if you're not considering and, and contemplating and thinking deeply enough that you encounter doubts ever, you know, if you never encounter doubts with your faith, um, maybe I wouldn't say it's a problem, but it's certainly it's it's a natural thing in a life of faith. And I, um, man, the secrets just led me to seek seek solace or or to to be placated like that shame, I, I needed to do something with that shame. And I ended up, I was in the music industry at the time um, at, at MTSU, which is a college here in town. And um, I, I had lots of friends in the music industry and they had lots of things that they did that mm-hmm. my Christian circles wouldn't approve of and, and didn't like, but that I found solace in and found a friendship in, in them. And it, it really was just that, that, the enemy had his talons in me at that point, you know, his, his nails, his claws were deep in me. And, um, it it was just one idol to the next. And I, at first it was honestly, I look back and I think, man, maybe even marriage was an idol where I thought that would fix me and then career and then new friends and, and then my intellectual doubts. And then even divorce, it was like now divorce me getting away from all of this, secret and shame. Like I I needed to be who I thought I really was. So, um, it was just one replacement after the other and not looking in the right places or seeking. So this was actively occurring while you're in worship ministry at your local church. Yeah. And I think that that contributed to it. You talked about like youth group and, and real life, you know, you go to school and you're one person, you go to youth group and you're another man, if you're on stage, like you learn how to perform and say the right things and, and be the guy that everybody kind of thinks has it all together. And then behind the scenes, it, it all just, it's a completely different story. So 2010, the wheels come off your marriage. Chris, you decide, I'm not sure this is for me. 
either marriage or God, mm-hmm. um, you're sort of uh, sort of reevaluating who your really your identity is, I guess, uh, in that moment. So how did you respond? As- yeah, I want to know where Stephanie was. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man, from that from that night, I mean, I I could not process. Like I said, I just couldn't. I couldn't make sense of it. I couldn't understand why I couldn't understand why I couldn't convince him to stay or to believe Um, because I'm very logical. And so it was so not black and white (laughs) in my head. And so I, you know, I went through all of the the phases of anger and depression and sadness and all of it. But growing up in the church and having a pretty easy life, I think, um, I, as much as I professed, you know, God, you are my everything. Like I'll I'll rely on you for everything. It wasn't until that heartbreak that I, that I was forced to fully rely on him for everything. And he was my lifeline. I mean, that whole year, um, learning what it would look like to not have him in my life, um, learning what it means to move forward, not having everything spelled out and planned out. And that was terrifying to me. I, I'm such a planner and all of that blew up that year. And so learning to be okay with not knowing and trusting that the Lord would have me no matter what happened. So it was, it was a journey for both of us that year. And for me, it wasn't, it wasn't just, you know, learning who God was in the midst of it, but it was, it was also him showing me my own sin, you know, I was really good at being oh, wow. the good girl, the good Christian girl. This was his fault. I didn't have anything to do with it, but God so graciously and gently showed me that, you know, I I had my own things. They just weren't as outward as his sin. You know, my sin was more the pride and self-righteousness and these other things that are just as, as toxic in a marriage. Hmm. I'm curious. What's your Enneagram? I'm a one. Okay. <laughs> Were you thinking that? Is yeah, that I was, yes. <laughs> one of my daughters is a one. So, yes. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And isn't it interesting, I think, um, for you to look back on it and see how gently the father was working in you mm-hmm. and um, to provide what was going to come next, a, mm-hmm. a safe place to land, right? Absolutely. Now, I got to ask, did you have children at this time, 2010? We did not. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're... Young married couple, three years or so, uh-huh. you had all these sort of, I'm sure from the outside looking in, you guys were sort of Ken and Barbie. Sure. The youth, you know, <laughs> worship leaders yeah. of a, a vibrant church, kind of have your mm-hmm. stuff together. Yeah. And then boom. And boom. So how did that affect your families? How did that, how did that roll through? I, I knew it was going to blow everything apart and it was, it wasn't, it was weird. It was a weird time for me because I, I didn't. I'm kind of a people pleaser and I didn't, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to hurt anybody. Even Stephanie, we had, we had our problems, but we didn't like yell at each other. We weren't angry and anyone probably would have just, I mean, of course we argued, but you know, it wasn't just like, Oh, this is unmanageable. I have to get out of this marriage. It was more just like, I, I wanted out because I wanted to be free to do what I wanted to do and be who I thought I was. Right. Um, but, um, you know, the, the truth behind where I went is, is really just from the isolation um, from us, from me not communicating with, with her. And I had to, I, I wasn't communicating with anybody at that point, especially God. Um, I think 
on this side of of the struggle, the the, the biggest thing that I want people to hear is that um, God can handle all of our questions, uh, all of our doubts. God wants us to bring those things to Him. I know you're a pastor, so the the the, the Psalms are just such a beautiful place for us to go to see people being real with God. And that was just so far from my experience. And as far as our family goes, like your mom, she stayed with you. Like she didn't support what you did, but I mean, what was your, I mean, I wasn't with her as much that, that summer, but what was her relationship? So, so the families blew apart. Uh, and I hated it. I hated, um, I hated everything that was happening family wise because we did have such a tight mm-hmm. unit. Because yeah. um, our families I, are in town. I mean, he I'm he closer, was a son to my parents. Yeah, I'm close, <laughs> very close to her parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom, I I ended up in a place that was very dark, very cold, very alone, very quickly. But I can never say that without saying that my mom was like right there with me. Like I was, I had pushed everybody away. I had left the church. I had left my marriage. I had kind of blown families apart and hurt so many people. But the love of a mother is uh, strong enough <laughs> to walk with, to walk with um, a son through all of that. Yeah, so... Part of our focus for this season of the Brilliantly Brave podcast is to talk about the role of parents and grandparents in our lives. So I'm just curious, Chris, as we're, I mean, obviously you guys reconciled. There's a whole part of the story that we're going to get to because you're married and you're back, you're back together (laughs) and it's 2019. So there's a redemption ahead for those that are listening. But I am curious, what, what kind of relationship did you have with your dad or grandfather? Was there anything going on there? Man, what a what a good question. I uh, so my dad left when I was two. Okay, um, and I met him again when I was ten. And we spent a few weeks together, maybe even a few months, you know, visitation sort of thing. Um, and then he died when I was twelve. So I I didn't really have any meaningful relationship with my dad, um, and that's something that I've had to unpack with each new season of life. You know, I, I convinced myself that it wasn't that big of a deal when I was growing up. Um, but each new season from getting married to being, a you know, being a man of the house to having kids and it makes you realize you, you don't know what you don't know. You can't, you can't experience. Yeah. There's no way. It's like a photo negative where you, mm-hmm. you it's hard to, it's hard to process what you didn't have. So, my granddad was a huge influence on me, um, more so than any other man um, in my life as a child. Uh, my my mom's dad um, was instrumental in, in taking me around. They had thirty acres. They had horses. There was oh, always wow. always something to do on on thirty acres. So we always messed around, fixed stuff, and, um, and he was a, a huge a huge presence in my life. But there wasn't that daily. You know, day in, day out, come home, have the stability of a, of a fatherly figure. Wow. So he was a believer? My dad? Your grandfather. My grandfather, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, I think I think his his biggest influence on me was really just like just 
I didn't have a steady dad, but if I had one word to describe my granddad, it would be steady. Mm -hmm. So I think that was just a really beautiful provision of the Lord um, to be able to give me that. So did he play a role in your sort of coming back to Christ and back into sort of the light, if you will? My funny enough, my granddad, not so much, but uh, my dad in this weird ghostly way, um, he did because there everything fell apart for me after I left um, to summarize that that season I left and got to do whatever I wanted and do more of what I thought I wanted. And, you know, I was into drugs and alcohol and um, just living that free life. And, and that led me to a, a very dark place very quickly and i just weirdly like and something happened that just the, the rug got pulled out from under me the veil was pulled from my eyes i i i was so uh violently ripped out of this kind of cloud that i'd been in and uh found myself alone but in that in that uh that quick season that little couple of weeks when when things are just falling all around me. Um, I found my dad's old um, AA notebooks and um, an NA narcotics anonymous notebooks. And was just like flipping through that and and, and then that's not a part of my story, but it's, it's so like, it was so such a bizarre moment to, to see the influence that you know, genetics or DNA or just like the ghost of his, his absence had on me and to flip through these books of, of his journey to sobriety and to coming back to the Lord. Like it was, it was ghostly, but, but powerful. That's interesting. I, I, you know, it's, it's one of those things where you don't realize as parents, how much your actions will influence the next generation, mm -hmm. even when you're gone. That's kind of cool mm -hmm. that, that, that your dad was able to contribute in a positive way to you. And oddly enough, he gave me my first guitar. And, and I, he was a musician. And he was a musician too. Uh, I think my family kind of shied away from me going the music route <laughs> yeah. for a while. Uh, like you want to be an engineer, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I can imagine. Be because of the path that my dad took. Sure. But he gave me my first guitar and, and I played the I played the strings off of that thing. So, <laughs> so ultimately you reconnected with your faith mm -hmm. and you reconnected with your then ex-wife mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. now you're married how'd mm -hmm. that happen how, how did... <laughs> <laughs> well from my perspective as i'm you know figuring out divorce has been final figuring out how to move on with my life uh and i still talk to his mom periodically through that season and i'd heard some things were changing with him but i didn't know what and he ended up contacting my parents to talk Mm -hmm. which is very brave. I think <laughs> you should get some credit. For brilliantly that. brave. Hey, look at that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then, so he met with them. We're brilliantly stupid. Uh, my know. mom called me right after and she was like, he wants to talk to you. I think it'd be a good idea. So we got together and talked for a couple of hours. Uh, I had bought a new house. I didn't let him in the house. <laughs> not, not, not like maliciously, but it's like just um, boundaries. My, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had scripture all over the floor. Like this yeah. is my, my solitude, my sanctuary. So we walked the neighborhood, swapped stories of what had happened that year, what God had taught us. And he was very transparent about what had happened to him that year. And um, 
things that he hadn't told me in our marriage and everything. And so by the end of this very strange <laughs> conversation that was really enjoyable, I never could have um, expected. He shared that God had told him that we should be together again. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I didn't just say, okay, let's go <laughs> at that point. <laughs> Surprisingly. Uh, I did not. No. <laughs> that so, wasn't enough for you? Was <laughs> were you expecting her to say yes right away? <laughs> so so we, wanted, we wanted to be smart and um, involve people this time. And so we both did some counseling separately, um, involved our pastors and family, and um, just took a few months to really pursue what the Lord would have for us before we move forward. So what year was that? When did this happen? So this was quick. So January is when he left. And then um, we met for the first time in August after divorce had been final. So eight months. And then um, went on our first date, our second first date, second in, first date. in November. In November. And then we're remarried a few months later in February. So a little over a year. All of that happened. That sounds like a whirlwind. Yeah. Like <laughs> you do things big. And fast. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So in that step of faith, um, when after the Lord must have spoken to your heart um, to tell you to go to her parents. And that is brave. Yeah. That is <laughs> boy, good man. Good man. But you were talking about how sometimes um, the, the place to walk isn't even there when the Lord tells you to walk. Did you start seeing things pop up under your feet as you began to take those steps? I mean, were you just, I mean, how, tell me how that was for you. Yeah. Um, so, so after everything fell apart, um, God rushed in very quickly. You know, I'm finding these old notebooks, my dad and his sobriety journey. And, um, you know, the God is revealing to me like, yes, it's great. You have these intellectual doubts, but you also have this, this pattern of idolatry <laughs> in your life. And, and, it's like you're wanting to you're wanting to use one as a crutch to explain the other. And God just sort of showed me that it, um, he didn't want he didn't want just my head like he, he he wanted to show me my heart, too. And so I feel like that's really the way that he found me. And we and I reconnected with God on that level, not to say that the doubts went away and, and that the, the questions were all answered and I didn't have anything anymore. But, you know, that tragedy helped clarify some of the some of the heart issues that I had had. Um, and what was the, the how, how those steps of faith did you yeah. start seeing? Things? So as I, so as I'm reconnecting with God, hearing him whisper to me, tell me, Hey, you should maybe reconnect with Stephanie. Um, those, I mean, it, it's just a phone call, you know, it, that that's what it ended up being for me. And, and as we did start to reconnect, we had, we had been so alone. We had not involved other people in, in the early parts of our relationship. So it, in that season, it, it felt, um, it didn't feel so much like huge steps of faith. It felt like, it felt like we're, we're, we're walking with community towards, yeah, I mean, it, of course it was a huge step of faith to remarry. That's a, that's a huge, huge step. Um, but it felt right because I think we were involving our community and we were seeing counselors and, and, and help letting them help us process process through all of that. Now out of the dust is another, is another story altogether with steps of faith. <laughs> um, but, but that season sort of felt, felt very uh, comforting. It didn't feel like a scary God was asking us to do something that we didn't know how we were going to do. It was just, it was a beautiful. I think he had just season. brought us through so much that 
we just knew that what he had for us was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Out of the Dust is the name that you picked for your mm-hmm. your music ministry, right? Yeah. That's a great way to say it. That's mm-hmm. how we think about it as ministry, for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. For sure. Well, as a pastor, I'm familiar with the passage in Ezekiel 37, which talks about a valley of dry bones, mm-hmm. which is kind of your story. You dry know? bones coming together and coming back to life yeah yeah and there there are a lot of references in the bible to dust and you know Mm -hmm. and relating that to death and and part of it too for us was just going all the way back to genesis of you know god breathing life into the dirt or the dust and and creating us you know creating his beloved and that's what he did to our marriage that was reduced to nothing he breathed life in it and brought out something more full of life than we could have ever imagined (laughs) It's beautiful. It is a beautiful story, and I'm, my heart is sort of warmed by it. Um, <laughs> as I'm listening, though, I know you have two kids, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming then that after the second time you got married, you went through that process again, you've had two kids. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, I think parenting has been by far our favorite phase <laughs> of life. Um, I think... And we do have, I think, a unique perspective of our kids because they almost weren't. Right. They're this beautiful yeah. reminder daily of what God did. And they're, um, our son is six and our daughter is four. So they're at the most fun age. I mean, everything's exciting. We are their heroes. You know, we can just make so much fun out of anything. And they, they come on the road with us. The majority of the time. So we just, we love being together. And we can fix all their problems at this, at this, at point. this age. <laughs> that won't, I don't think that's always the case. You don't? You don't think that'll keep going? <laughs> well, I can assure you that's true. Yeah. But I, I think it's beautiful that because of what you've walked through together as a couple now, uh, and you see the redemptive power of God in your own heart, it's easier to trust him with your kids now, mm. I think. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And we wrote a song about, uh, it's called Redemption Skies. It's on the record. Um, they, they are this, they are the silver lining, you know, they're our, our, uh, on our first record, uh, we, we ended the record with a line that said our redemption skies are brightest blue from the dust. He made us new. And this song, um, redemption skies on our new record, um, now more than ever, um, Redemption Skies is about their, God's just legacy of grace through mm. through giving. Like yeah. every every day we wake up and and we it's not it's not just that we trust God with them. It's like we we see God in them that that they weren't they they wouldn't have been without Him. Mm. Um, and the line in that song, um, how's the chorus end? Uh, well. The end of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we say? Your story started before you were born. Grace has been woven and thread through that heart of yours, and how you shine so bright in our redemption skies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How you shine so bright in our redemption skies. Mm-hmm. That like I got a goosebump. Yeah, I have tears. <laughs> <laughs> now we don't feel that and think of that in every moment, and every <laughs> right? Tantrum and every you know <laughs> the hard, but but it is a sweet sweet reminder. Wow. We've been in the studio today uh, talking with a very remarkable couple, Chris and Stephanie Teague, and they are out of the dust and literally and metaphorically and all the (laughs) other ways you can apply that term. 
Um, you have a, a fantastic website that I saw out of the dustmusic.com. And for listeners who, you know, are maybe resonating with your story, or maybe they're possibly going through it together right now. There might be people listening who their marriage just came off, you know, the wheels came off and they're discouraged or they're overwhelmed. What advice would you have in closing to the listener right now who might feel there's no, no hope? I. Uh- First of all, we, I mean, when we tell our story, it opens up the door for people to share with us. And it's, it's a, it's a burden that we gladly bear because it's, it's the joy, it's a joy to tell our story and, and to, and to let God use what, you know, what he's brought us through for other people. For sure. And when, when we're going through, when, when we get those messages almost, Without fail, we just want people to know that they're not alone. Number one, um, is it's so easy to feel like I'm the only one that's ever thought this or felt this or gone through this. Even in a culture where we just hear so many d- divorce statistics and marriages are falling apart all over the place, the enemy just wants us to believe that we're alone and isolate us. I experienced that as a young man dealing with my doubts, and I think any opportunity that the enemy gets to isolate us and make us feel isolated. He's going to take. So you're not alone. Um, and the advice is just in the thick of it. I'm the, hear me out. I'm the worst at seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and, and believing the best in a hard season. But from, from two people who've been there, who've seen the hardest and the deepest, um, and the hardest parts of, of a broken marriage, um, God, is is powerful enough can bring about beauty and will bring about beauty through it it's just about our willingness to let him transform us through that pain and through that that hardship yeah and one thing that we always want to make sure and say every every night on stage is that you know god will redeem he redeemed us all through jesus and um but that redemption doesn't always look like ours you know not everybody Who's divorced is going to see a remarriage like we have, but uh, we say it all the time from stage that if God had not redeemed our marriage and the work that he did in us that year that we were apart, if that's where it stopped, then that would have been enough. You know, there, there was still redemption there. So yes, God can redeem and he will. And sometimes that looks like bringing two sinful, broken people back together in a marriage. And other times it means he has something beautiful down the road for you, even if the ending isn't what yeah. you wanted. Yeah. I'm really glad you said that. Cause I, I think that's really important that we don't compare our stories to everyone else's, sure. but that we learn from the principles mm-hmm. that you guys have learned uh, about your faith, about each other, about the faithfulness of God. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Melanie co-host with the bling. <laughs> Any last uh, closing thoughts with our audience? I just love the, the fact that you, you guys are here telling us that maybe not everything is even perfect right now, but, um, that you're still on a journey mm-hmm. and um, where God has brought you to this point um, is really just the beginning. I mean, I see, I see so many beautiful things um, just in the way that you look at each other, you know, our listeners can't see all of that, <laughs> but it is really, I mean, you are each other's treasure. Mm-hmm. So parent, I'm so glad that you guys were obedient and that you <laughs> forgave fast. That's a big thing. Forgiveness is a big thing. I imagine mm-hmm. the journey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thanks, everyone. Uh, 
right after these guests leave the studio, Melanie and I will talk about them behind their back and uh, give you our <laughs> best impressions and uh, breakdown and analytics of all the things they shared with us. It'll take at least five minutes. I'm looking forward to those five minutes, sir. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. God bless. So I couldn't help but nod vigorously uh, to that story because it so reminds me of my own. I can't imagine. I, I cannot imagine what you must have been thinking sitting in that chair. What, a, like a mirror? Uh, absolutely. I. The only difference is our kids were young before before we went through our story. Uh, for the listener, I wrote a book uh, called Road Trip to Redemption, which very closely parallels the story you just heard with Chris and Stephanie. So I'm having flashback after flashback listening to their story. Um, and it's just really... It's pretty dang awesome when you think about the creativity of God to fix our mess ups. Absolutely. And they, they made no you know bones about it. They did not pretend to be perfect even now that their journey is still still going forward. Yeah, it did. Well, this is the part of the podcast where Melanie and I take just a few moments to break it down a little bit. Uh, help hopefully make this practical and uh, of encouragement and um, as the Bible says, to edify the body of Christ. So as I was listening, I, I couldn't help but notice how many times Chris used the word isolation. Did you notice that? I did. It's such a dangerous place to be, too, isn't it? Yeah. He said it like four times mm-hmm. um, in 35 minutes. He He really got isolated and it left a mark on him. And um, it definitely reminds me of how dangerous it is for us as really as Christians, but also as couples, when we allow ourselves to get isolated. Did you? Yeah, absolutely. And then um, as they began to talk about how they um, were redeemed from that and how mm-hmm. they began to move forward, community was also a word they continued right. to say, too. And really talking about the local church and the people who are in their lives now, they said the way they're doing it differently this time is they're involving people in their marriage and their relationship, not just with each other, but also in their parenting. Yeah, I I was watching Stephanie's responses. Chris was sort of going through the discussion. Obviously, he's sort of the outgoing extrovert, and she's quite a bit more careful. Processes. Yeah. Um, She's hesitant and a little bit more, you know, patient. And I I just like it's like watching a mirror of my wife and I, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't help but think they're 33. I'm 50. I will not tell you my wife's age, but she's older. (laughs) I'll just say this, that there is a metamorphosis that occurs with couples that allow God in. They begin to become more like each other. Um, And I'll predict that in 17 years, he will be a lot less outspoken and she will be more confident. Mm-hmm. I think that she is still possibly sitting in the seat of hope right? and in that seat of faith watching as um, she takes all these continued steps, even together, even in their music duo, they were talking about steps of faith. And I think faith makes us more bold in yeah. every area of our life, too. And we see that increase of faith. Um, it, I think it grows us in every area. I, there was a couple of there were I'm using proper English. Uh, there were several moments in the conversation where I was surprised. Like I've heard stories. This is our 102nd episode. I've heard a lot of stories, but 
What he, surprised you? This whole thing about his dad's journals. Oh, yeah. After the fact, his dad passes away when he's 12 and here he is as an as a adult. Didn't even know that his dad I had, had no idea. Yeah. How cool is that? That's amazing. That sounds like a story in a movie or it something. It does. They should, yeah. Um, I, I could not help but think um, how potent the Holy Spirit is, really, at taking things out of our out of our stories and redeeming them, even to the point where he didn't really have his dad in his life, but he did. Right. Like at the time he felt abandoned and isolated. Um, and then, you know, his grandfather steps into that role, which you can't say enough about. It's amazing. I mean, did you see his eyes light up when you start talking about his oh, grandfather? Oh, yeah. Love that. And talking about the, the the countryside where he got to go play and there was always something to do there. And it was mm -hmm. all very healthy, driven by the father figure he had. Steady. Steady. Yeah, that was. If there's one thing I could say that would describe my grandfather, it was steady. Man, for, for parents and grandparents that are listening to us, you can't ask for a stronger endorsement on how valuable your investment of time is in your kids and in their kids. Um, I, I was listening to that thinking, where, where would this story have turned if he didn't have a couple of voices at a critical moment in his life? Absolutely. You know, he mentioned after we were off air that his mom was a single mom. And so she didn't have that ability to be that man in his life. So, so thankful for her dad to step in to that role. For sure. And I, there was a really unique detail. This is the second thing that caught me off guard. And that is that he went to her parents when he felt the Holy Spirit prompt him to reconcile with her. Absolutely. That I think that shows me that he knew they too were probably very steady. And he also knew that they would be that gateway into um, Stephanie's life again. If he knew that he was going to, he probably went to them when he asked her the first time. And so to revisit that place of ask again, mm -hmm. and that was bold. That was brave. Yeah. As he put it, brilliant and brave to do that. And mm -hmm. um, I, there's just something very um, important about the role that a parent continues to play in the adult child's life, especially in, the, in turbulence. So if you're looking at the parents behind this story, um, and the grandparents, you start to see that there is influence and value to their advice, to their, you know, their conversations with their grown children to the point where this marriage being restored actually hinged. It was sort of the, the catalyst for this to really happen occurred with the parents. And Stephanie even mentioned that she was continuing to stay in, in contact with his mom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Family. So uh, as we explore the role of intergenerational parenting and the value that it has in a culture where turbulence does occur in a lot of marriages, there are a lot of people who may be listening to this podcast and they're they're right in the middle of something really unexpected, just like Stephanie was in 2010 when her husband comes to her and says, I'm I'm done. And I don't believe in the Lord. Yeah, I'm done with you and I'm done with God and I'm done pretending and I want to run off and, and do what I want to do. That's a devastating, devastating thing to hear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no one gave up. No one gave up. And the father was able to handle Chris's difficult questions. And was not caught off guard by his doubts. 
And one of the things we didn't get to talk to them about is just how important it is uh, to Chris and Stephanie that they allow their kids to ask questions without making them feel um, like they're less of Christian, that, that they can do that. Absolutely. And that it's okay for them to doubt and question and wonder. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's okay to be a mess. It's okay to not be okay. I think that they are a, a tremendous testimony to, to all of that. Um, and I think that one of the things that um, he said um, about the, uh, the secrecy and those things were, you know, finally a breaking point living in two different worlds. They're not doing that anymore. They've chosen to live together as mm-hmm. one and they do it out in front of people on their tours and in their music that they write. Wow. Those lyrics. I know. I would really like to hear that. Uh, mm-hmm. When we post this online, we're going to have some links and you can bet I'm going to be listening to that song about the, the stars in their sky, redemption sky or something. Like How that. brightly they shine. Oh my gosh. Oh, yeah. oh my. Wow. So if our listeners are listening on Spotify, just click right over and um, do a search in your Spotify app for out of the dust. Absolutely. I'm going to end uh, this segment with just a quote that we have from their uh, publicist that they had written out ahead of time. And it's so good. I I don't want the audience to miss this. And it really resonates with my heart. And it goes like this. I want my kids to feel safe to explore, safe to find themselves, safe to mess up, to know that our love and God's love is not dependent on their performance. Chris says, God's love and our love is not dependent on what they do. It's based on who they are and whose they are. For parenting, that really, really uh, captures my heart. So any last thoughts, Melanie? This was great. Awesome. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be here next week with episode 103. And we hope you share what you have discovered with your friends and family. God bless and goodbye. Be encouraged, parents, you are not alone. In Paul's letter to his son in the faith, Timothy, he writes, But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Brilliantly Brave Parenting wants to be an encouragement and support that parents can rely on. Would you consider liking us and sharing us with a friend? As a part of the Tween Gospel Alliance, we are a nonprofit organization dependent on the support of friends like you. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be right here next week.